Go ahead, your turn. <coughs> Say good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, welcome. Welcome to Bone Spring Baptist Church. <laughs> my name. My name is Levi. And I'm glad to see you. I'm glad to see you. Thank you for coming. Good morning. Welcome. This is my sidekick. This is Levi. I want to welcome you to Boiling Springs today. If you're a visitor, there is a panel on the side of your bulletin. If you will fill it out and let the staff know your needs or your wishes. If you're a visitor, that would let us know that you're here and we'd like to be back in touch with you. This is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I was going to use that, Ellen. Oh, okay. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Had to get that in there. Well, Happy New Year. And again, welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. I want to invite you to do something with me as we begin our service, this first service of 2020. If you would turn in your hymnal to our opening hymn this morning. Uh, that is found on page 285, I believe. It's God of grace and God of glory. When we look to the Gospels, one of the words that we hear Jesus use over and over again is the word kingdom. He taught us to pray, after all, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We also hear the words of our Savior in Matthew 6, when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If we are to be about kingdom work in our individual lives and collectively as a church in 2020, we must have courage. Courage gives us the ability to do something amid our fear, amid our doubts maybe. The ability to do something brave out of motivation from the heart. Our biblical heroes of the faith in the Old Testament and New Testament possessed kingdom courage. As Christians and followers of Christ, if we are to rise above the narratives in our culture this year, 2020, we are to be people who seek first God's kingdom. And we will need and must summon kingdom courage. Our opening hymn this morning addresses the courage that we will need to be the kingdom people of God that he has called us to be. In God of grace and God of glory, there are lyrics that read like this. Grant us wisdom, grant us courage for the facing of this hour. Other lyrics, lyrics that read another verse. Grant us wisdom, grant us courage for the living of these days. And a verse not included in our hymnal says, grant us wisdom, grant us courage, lest we miss your kingdom's goal. I want to invite you this morning, will you join others in standing and singing this hymn as a prayer? As we move into 2020, let the words of this hymn be a collective prayer for the first hymn that we sing this new year. Let's stand and sing together.
invite the children to come forward for lesson on the steps. Join us up front. Boy, I'm so glad to see all of y'all back. I've missed you. Some of y'all have been just going everywhere, haven't you? Liza, where have you been? Have you? Don't tell me, okay, all right. How about Florida? Florida. All right, I wanna read a scripture to you. Liza, look here. From Isaiah, chapter 30. Wherever you turn, to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice. This is the way, walk in it. How many of y'all ever looked at a maze? Have you been to the corn maze? Yeah, yeah I bet you have. And what happens when you go out in the corn maze? Do you get, find, come up on a dead end and you have to turn around and go another way? Hey, Liza, how are you? You want to sit right there? When you come to a corn maze, do you come up on a dead end sometime? Yeah, and then we have to turn around and come back, don't we? Well, our new year is going to be sort of like a corn maze. We come up on things we can't handle. Well, we have to back around and come back out again. Well, just wait one minute and I'm going to tell you about the heart, okay? See, we, we start on a maze and we run up on a block. And what do we have to do? Turn around. Go another way. But you know, when we ran up on that block right there, there's a little voice that said, listen, this is the way. Come with me. We'll work it out. Who's that voice? You don't know? Are you sure you don't know who talks to you sometime? God, that's exactly right. God tells us that he will work it out. But see, that's why we have a heart. Who's in our heart? Jesus and God. And so when we run up on a roadblock this new year, when we start a new year and we run up on a problem, then we talk to God, he takes our hand, and he leads us on the new way. And we find our way out of the trouble. Because I know that sometimes we run into trouble, don't we? And we need God's help. God takes our hand, he talks to us, we listen, and we find our strength in him. Can we do that as we start this new year? Talk to God and ask him to help us find our way? Help us through the hard stops? I know we can. Cause who's in our heart? God, thank you, Branch. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we begin our new year, hold these children's hands as each step is a step with you. And as they run up on a bump and they come to you, take their hand and lead them through. It's a new year, Lord, a new beginning for them, a new time to walk with you, learn about you, care about you. 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before Candy comes and leads us in our prayer this morning, I want to mention a couple really important opportunities for you over the next several months. Um, the first of which is in your bulletin. There's information about a Lenten devotional project that our church will be embarking upon over these next several months. And January is a busy month in that, and I'll be emphasizing that throughout these next at least couple weeks to try to secure 40 different individuals who would be willing to write a devotion that would be compiled into a larger, larger devotional booklet that will be available to our church family and to friends and family of our church family uh, throughout the season of Lent. That begins February the 26th. You say, well, that's a long time away. And yes, it is in many regards, but in others, it will be here before we know it. And when we think about compiling a little devotional book like this, uh, there's a lot of preparation that goes into that. If you are willing to write a devotion, some of you have done that before. Others may be open to the idea. And if you are open to the idea, I would strongly encourage you to consider moving forward with that. Uh, but on the front row, I put it on the, um, in the outside my office, but I brought it in here just before service. I have a clipboard here with some different scriptures in the days of Lent. And you can sign up for a day and you can jot down the scriptures for that day and choose one of those scriptures to write some reflections and there's some instructions and kind of uh, a format, if you will, to follow to help you do that. And I have some suggestions that if you are just kind of open to the idea, you haven't done it before, hopefully my suggestions would be of, of um, help to you. And so just encourage you to do that. It's on the front pew and you can sign up following our service today. But I need people from our church family. That's the goal. But I'm also pursuing some people that are uh, like Keith Dixon, friends, uh, uh, Rusty Strap, close friends of our church family as well to write because 40 devotions will be a lot. And so please consider doing this. Would love to have you participate in it. And as a church family, we'll be reading these together collectively as we prepare for Easter Sunday. We just completed Christmas and now we're already talking about Easter, but that's, that's the way it works. Amen. So, uh, another opportunity, uh, many of you know that our church family has went to Guatemala now for three years. We took two larger groups for the last two years. And right now there's not a church wide Guatemala trip planned. However, a good friend of mine, her name is Stella Perrin, a minister down uh, eastern part of North Carolina, is leading a group to the Good Shepherd Orphanage in March, March the 13th through the 20th, or 13th through the 19th. And the goal of this trip is to care specifically for the kids in the orphanage. The staff will go away and receive training. And so they need a team from the United States to come down to allow the uh, instructors and the, uh, the, the child care workers there to go away and be trained. So first of all, the first requirement is that you are a female. If you are a female and have a willingness to go to Guatemala for a week and care for roughly 20 to 30 orphans, uh, ranging in, in age from newborns up to teenagers, uh, you'll be, it'll be a hard work uh, for that week of, of washing clothes and cooking meals, but it will be a tremendously rewarding week and you will find support here in this church if you should desire and feel led to go. So I can give you a number and information about that, but if that fits something that you think you might be interested in and feel led to do, you let us know and we'll be happy to give you the right information. And last, before Candy comes to pray, be in prayer this week for Barbara and Reginald Dawkins. Reginald will be going this Thursday to the Baptist Retirement Home in Asheville, a very nice place. And Barbara will be joining him weeks or months later as she uh, closes the, and prepares the home and, and things like that. Um, so be in prayer. This is a major transition for the family and certainly a loss in our church and community to have them um, uh, out of the area. But be in prayer for the Dawkins. Continue to be in prayer for Lana Hinkle. 
and also for Clyde Bowen. I saw him yesterday at Cleveland Pines. The nurse let me know that he will be moving to the 400 hallway there at Cleveland Pines that will allow him to be closer to the nurse's station and allow a larger room for family and friends to come in and out and visit with him at this critical hour. He is under hospice care there, and so the family would very much appreciate your prayers at this time. And I think that's, that's it. So thank, thank you. Ken. Let's go to God in prayer at this time. Oh God, whose commandments we would keep, whose community we would enjoy, and to whose service we would be loyal, we pause before you as we cross the threshold of another year, another decade. For its open doors of possibilities and its hope of new beginnings, we give you thanks. We are especially grateful that the core of our faith is the message that life is a matter of becoming and that we can begin again. We confess that there is some of the year just past that we would like to forget and erase, words that hurt rather than helped, acts that we know were sinful. Some of these blots and stains we can remove by corrective action in the days to come, and we pray that we would have the desire and the strength to right those wrongs. But some of our mistakes are irreparable and all we can do is sincerely ask your forgiveness while at the same time vowing not to repeat our errors of the past. We are thankful for the new page in our lives. May the entries we make on it be in harmony with your dream for us. And months from now, may we be more satisfied with this year's page than last year's for it is a reasonable expectation that we should be better at the end of the year than we are at the beginning. May this be our goal and may it be so. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our hymn is Be Thou My Vision, number 71. Be Thou My Vision. If you are able, please stand and join in singing number 71.
Dear Lord, as we gather, we gather in gratitude. Gratitude for the blessings, Father, of the past year. And Father, as we begin a new year, we pray that you will give us boldness in following thee. And Father, we dare to pray that you would give us boldness in giving. And Father, in all that we do, may our lives and our words point others to the hope found only in you. And Father, as a church, as we receive these gifts, we pray your blessings upon our giving and give us wisdom, O Father, in using these resources wisely according to your desires. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Thank you, choir, for that promise from the Word of God. Are you ready for some good news here at the beginning of what has the potential to be a crazy year in some regards? And I hope for all of us it's a a good year. Uh, We wish each other happy new year for a reason. But I ask this morning very intentionally, are you ready for some good news? We desperately need to hear good news. The central theme message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news of number one of God's love for you and me and all creation. But with that is the promise of forgiveness for all who ask, for all who follow, for all who seek that forgiveness. The message of God's love and forgiveness in Jesus Christ is the central message, the central theme of the gospel. I feel like that must be proclaimed, not only this Sunday at the beginning of 2020, but every Sunday from this pulpit. I hope it it is each week this year. I hope it has been. I hope it will continue to be. That God loves us and God forgives us. God desires to have a relationship with you and with me. We go through mountains and valleys in that walk, in our journey with the Lord, but yet his promise that he is here is a promise that we can take and a promise that we need to hear this year. We're going to have some mountains and we're going to have some valleys and we need to be reminded that he is with us, whatever our journey may have along its way. In Ephesians, we'll be looking at the passages today in just a moment that are in your bulletin, but before we do that, in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul reminds us, In verses 4 and 5 of this gift of forgiveness, this gift of God's grace. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And later down in verses 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not Not a result of works so that no one may boast. We've done nothing to earn it, nothing to deserve it, but God's love is freely offered to each of us here at the beginning of 2020, and he asks us to respond to that free gift. When we read through, when we read through Romans, around, roughly around 35 times, he refers to the love and the grace of God as the gift of God, and he talks about the fact that unrighteous or that righteousness cannot be uh, attained through human effort, but it is truly a gift of God given to us. When it comes to forgiveness, we all stand in need of God's forgiveness. And at times we all need to do what is there printed in your bulletin for the sermon title this morning. We all need to hit the reset button. On electronic devices, some of you, I know you fairly well now in the congregation, and some of you are gifted with technology and others, maybe not so much. And you know that reset button on your electronic device, computer, tablet, whatever it may be, and you have hit it before. But you need to know that, and many of you do, that when you hit it, oftentimes it will erase everything that's causing the problem on your device, and it brings it back to factory specifications, and it brings it back to a place where you can begin again, if you will. Reset buttons are needed for our electronic devices, and reset buttons are also needed for all ages and stages of our lives. Amen? Uh, when we're young, we certainly have to hit a few reset buttons. Oftentimes, I talked about those mountains and valleys. We have to learn the hard way when we're young, and we've often hit those reset buttons. I often had to sit those, uh, probably the men more so than the women, have to hit those reset buttons when you're in a dating relationship, right? 
You know, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Will you please forgive me? I didn't mean what I said. And uh, as, we, as we grow with our children, moms and dads have to ask for forgiveness. We have to hit the reset button because we oftentimes think, well, we know exactly what needs to be done and we say and we do and, we, and then we realize I, I didn't handle that quite right and we hit that reset button. But again, we need it throughout all stages of life. Maybe you need it at times with your adult children and you have to apologize and say, look, I'm sorry, I, I said this or I, I, whatever, whatever it may have been. But we need this with all of our human relationships, not only in family, but uh, oftentimes too with fellow church members, uh, people in the community, we often have to hit the reset button. Reset button are also needed for institutions. They're needed for businesses. And yes, they're needed for churches as well. A question, have you ever wished you could hit the reset button in regards to something that you've said? For someone who speaks quite often, weekly, um, I've had to hit the reset button a few times. Uh, one that sticks out in my memory, uh, I could have several uh, examples that I could share, but one that sticks out in my memory was when I was a freshman at Gardner-Webb and a group went to Puerto Rico. I was able to go to Puerto Rico about three times when I was a student at Gardner-Webb and I absolutely loved the island. I was able to go twice and take a youth group once uh, following in my first youth ministry. Uh, following my time leaving Garden Web, but I was standing in front of the largest Baptist church on the island of Puerto Rico. It's in Ponce, Puerto Rico, kind of an area of the island that's mountainous. And we're standing at, I'm in, in, front of, in front of the congregation of Glen, Glenview Baptista Iglesia, largest Baptist church on the island. Neil Payne was with us and Amber on that trip. Many of you know them. And there's some others that you might know. But I uh, stood and I had had a little bit of Spanish. Uh, in high school and so I was feeling fairly confident and so I, I stood up and I meant to say something that sounded a little bit like estoy aquí por Jesucristo but instead I said something that sounded a little bit like yo soy Jesucristo and for those of you that know any Spanish at all the first one is I stand here because of Jesus Christ or I stand here representing Jesus Christ the other thing that I may have said may have said, I am Jesus Christ. <laughs> For those of you that knew what I said when I was speaking Spanish. And so I'm grateful that I had a few friends that hit the reset button on me and bailed me out of what was an incredibly embarrassing time. And since then I've learned, even though, and I see Heather out there and some of you that went to Guatemala, we tried to do a little bit in Spanish, but I've learned if, I, if I'm not confident in what I'm saying, don't say it. Um, and so oftentimes I've learned the hard way, but I'm glad my friends bailed me out. And as, you, and as you might imagine, they still give me a pretty hard time about that. Neil will bring that up from time to time. But I'm so thankful that God has a reset button. One of the biblical reset buttons for the people of God in the Old Testament was known as Jubilee. Jesus referred to it more in the New Testament as the year of the Lord. And more on that in just a moment. But instead of starting in the Old Testament with this theme, let's start in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 4. It's printed there, not all the words, but the reference to it is printed there in your bulletin. And here Jesus speaks of this theme of Jubilee, of this year of the Lord. And we're going we're to see what he has to say. And then we're going to go back to Isaiah and then back into Leviticus. But here in Luke 4, Jesus is in his hometown. Jesus is coming fresh out of the desert. He's been baptized. He has been uh, experienced his time of trial in, in, in the desert. Um, and so he's coming back. He's been preaching and he finds his way back to Nazareth, back to his hometown, back to his home synagogue, possibly where his high school Spanish teacher, you know, was there. No, I don't know. Uh, but he's, he's back in his, in his hometown and he has handed the scroll of Isaiah. 
And, and it says clearly in what we're going to read, and let's go ahead and turn there, Luke 4, it says that Jesus found a specific passage and then read it. And so uh, the, the, the words will be on your screen, but you can turn there certainly in your Bible. would encourage that. Luke 4, verses 14 through 21. Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. And when he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of Isaiah was given to him. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jubilee to his audience that would have recognized those words. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus found and read from Isaiah 61 verses 1 and the beginning of verse 2. And those words, again, see if these sound familiar to what we just read. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus hands the scroll back after he read these words. And what got him in trouble is when he said the last verse that we read from Luke is when he says, today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, remember, this is to many in the community, to those high school teachers that were in the synagogue and to those who raised, helped raise Jesus in many ways, they're saying, isn't this Joseph's boy? And he just said, what? And so if you read on in Luke 4, you'll find that they were pretty angry, pretty furious with him. And matter of fact, so much so that they wanted to throw him off a cliff. You ever been there? Before you hit the reset button with that someone that you said something that you shouldn't have and, and they, you know, uh, anyway. The first New Testament reference of Jubilee, I find it interesting, comes from Jesus. Jesus is speaking a relevant and a very powerful message to his hometown. He came to inaugurate, he came to begin, he came to set forth this idea of Jubilee, the year of the Lord. He came to offer forgiveness. This is why his hometown was furious. Well, that's great. You're saying, okay, Keith, you're the Lord, Jesus came to inaugurate it, this idea of Jubilee, well, what is it? Well, I'm glad you asked. In your favorite Old Testament book of Leviticus, now let me go back to this Bible, in your favorite Old Testament, I know this is where you spend most of your daily quiet time reading here in, in the Old Testament book of Leviticus. We find many things, uh, you would, if you read through this, you're, you're, some of you, if you've never read it before, would be like, what? You know, uh, but this has a lot of holiness code. This is where the instructions, if you will, for the people of God in the Old Testament as to how they were to relate with God, as to how they were to relate with others. And it has a lot of laws and, and ceremonial things in it as well. But in Leviticus chapter 25, and you would be pleased to know that we're not going to read all of this chapter this morning or else you would fall out one by one and walk out the back door. But 
in Leviticus 25, I would encourage you to take some time this week on your own to read through Leviticus 25. The theme of Jubilee is not, not only where we are at today, but we will be there next week. We'll take a week off and, and uh, let our men lead us in worship. That's always a wonderful time for us uh, each January here at Bowling Springs. And then the last Sunday, we will focus once again on the theme of Jubilee. And so it would be beneficial to read through uh, chapter 25. I would encourage you to do that. And let me just read a few verses, if you will, as to how this idea of Jubilee, the year of the Lord, was originally explained to the people of God. In verse 1 of Leviticus 25, the Lord then spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying... Verse two, speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land, which I shall give you, then the land shall have a Sabbath to the Lord. Sabbath is something that we can relate to. We've heard of this idea of Sabbath before. Today, hopefully we experience Sabbath, not only a time of worship, but a time of rest. And um, it's, it's something that has been built in to who we are as the people of God, not only from the beginning uh, of our time with Moses, but even to this day as well. But in verse three, six years you shall sow your field and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its crop. But during the seventh year, the land shall have a Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field nor prune your vineyard. The idea of a, a Sabbath year, a sabbatical year is something that is familiar maybe to, to many of us. But it goes on and down in verse nine of Leviticus 25, you shall then sound a ram's horn. Jubilee, the word actually means horn of a ram. And uh, that wasn't what Jesus came to inaugurate and represent the horn of a ram, but it's what uh, it, the, the, the sounding of this horn represents. On the day of atonement, the 10th day of the seventh month in the sabbatical year, did you get all that? This ram's horn is sounded and the people of God, again, on the day of atonement, the Jews today still celebrate this day as Yom Kippur. I believe that's, that's the right name for that. A very significant day in the life of a Jew today. But in verse 9 of Leviticus 25, you shall then sound a ram's horn abroad on the 10th day of the seventh month on the day of atonement, and you shall sound a horn all through your land. And this ram's horn, by the way, has been ordered. It was not here today. I was going to blow it and... and that would have been really awesome. And so we come and you will hear the pastor blow the ram's horn. Uh, it is on its way. It's in New Jersey in a post office. Uh, verse 10, you shall then consecrate the 50th year and proclaim a release through the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you and each of you shall return to his own property and each of you shall return to his family. You shall have the 50th year as a jubilee, and you shall not sow nor reap in its uh, aftergrowth, nor gather in from its untrimmed vines. And one more verse in verse 23 of chapter 25, the land moreover shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine, but you are but aliens and sojourners with me. So a theme of forgiveness permeates in the year of jubilee. There's this theme of forgiveness uh, for the land, and uh, it's this on seventh year, let the land rest, and you will not harvest anything from the land except what, as you read Leviticus 25, except what grows naturally on the field. Meaning that you don't sow the field, but whatever comes up in that field, you're welcome to partake of. And so in the sixth year, God promises them that he would bless them with an abundant crop and that they would have plenty for this year of Jubilee, this year of rest. And not only will the land rest, but also slaves would be freed. Uh, if you sold yourself at being a poor person to someone else's service, uh, you would be able to return uh, to, to being free once more. And not only with land, but um, uh, 
but uh, let's see here. The land was sold permanently, uh, the slaves, but there was this sense of, of restoration, this sense of making things right once again. If you sold property, the land, that's where I was going, the land would return to its original owner. I joked in here last week about we would be exploring this theme of Jubilee. Bowling Springs Baptist, if you will, last fall, if we were to relate it to this, begin our year of Jubilee, if you will, and I don't think we have in, in our plans to return this land to its original owner. Um, we, uh, the, uh, was, there was the rock house that was formerly across the street there. Uh, we were given the land and, and built this church in 1969. But nevertheless, the theme of Jubilee, the things that go with Jubilee is something that I feel is relevant for Bowling Springs Baptist Church here at the beginning of 2020. There's a theme of, of forgiveness, a, a theme of beginning again, a theme of hitting the reset button, if you will, that God, that Jesus in Luke 4 is inaugurating with the people there in his hometown in uh, the temple. The land rested from planting and cultivation, slaves went free, and land reverted back to its original owner. That's the main things, I guess, to remember there about Jew, Jubilee. But in Luke 4, again, Jesus was speaking to his home crowd and establishing his identity that he has come inaugurating and beginning this message of Jubilee, a message, again, that his people were furious about. As we think about our church, as we think about all the things that have taken place here over the last 50 years, we oftentimes think first of, of people who are not with us today. And unfortunately, over the last four and a half years, I have led too many funerals here at Bowling Springs Baptist Church. But not only before I came, but we think of others that were here many, many years ago. We have significant times of celebration, not only with weddings, but with the birth of new family members and other celebrations that we have here over these last 50 years at Bowling Springs Baptist. But if we also, as we think about the beginning of this year and think about Jubilee and think about a span of 50 years, we also have some things that we know we've missed the mark on. We know that we must confess. There's been times where we, and I say we, I include myself in that, we've missed the bigger picture of maybe something that God was doing. We pursued our own interest and we went a way that was not the way that our Lord was leading us. So confession is needed. Forgive us, God, as I opened our call to worship using the word kingdom. Forgive us for not pursuing your kingdom and not putting your kingdom first in everything that we've said and done. Forgive us at times, God, for not having the courage to step up and to be bold in our witness, both with our words and with our actions. Forgive us in things that we've said to other people along the way that may not be in church at all right now or may have went somewhere else, again, because feelings were hurt and, and I don't need to say more. But as the people of God, again, we have much to celebrate, but we also, as we begin a new year, as we think about the future, not only for our families, but for our church and our community, we think about what that future looks like. We must begin again. We must hit that reset button that we talked about just a few moments ago. As we've moved into a new year, a new decade, I was reflecting some on and praying, obviously, about what I would share today, and a verse came to my mind that I want to share with you. It's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, and it does go into where we are moving with this theme of forgiveness this morning. But in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, the author wrote, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. 
David was known as a man after God's, and you can leave that scripture up if you don't mind there on the screen. David was known as a man after God's own heart. And what is God looking for? If David was a man after God's own heart, and the scripture says, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's looking for men and women whose hearts are completely his, completely. That means, that means there are no locked, not locked closets. Nothing's being swept under the rugs. It means that when you do wrong, you admit it and immediately come to terms with it. You're grieved over wrong, both that you see in yourself and that you see in others. You're concerned about the things that displease our Heavenly Father. Those things in our own lives and those things that we may share in community that we know are not pleasing to our Lord. You long to please him in your actions. You care about the motives behind your actions. As we evaluate our hearts, we discover that we are in desperate need this morning and this new year of hitting a reset button. As I said earlier at the beginning of my sermon, Jesus was the one that showed us what unconditional love and forgiveness looks like. It was Jesus who, while dying on the cross, looks to those who, were, who had beaten him, who had nailed his hands and his feet to the cross, and he looks down on them and speaks words that, when I often think of them when I'm having my quiet time or just wherever it may be, words that often bring a tear to my eye. Because you hear the Father, you think of such a cruel, terrible situation when such, I mean, disgrace has been shown to our Lord and Savior. And yet he looks down upon the cross and he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Father, forgive them. Have you ever heard such words of forgiveness? In Romans 5, 8, Paul says, God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The message of the good news of the gospel is for you and for me and all of us today. We are all loved by God and we all stand in need of his forgiveness. Forgiveness that is freely offered to all. It's not just a select group, not just a an American thing, it's not a, it's a, it, he's offered to every gender, every nationality, the taller, the shorter, it's offered to all. No matter what we've done, no matter what we've said, the love of God and his forgiveness and his grace is offered to you and to all of us this day and each day. Yesterday I was at an, a very eventful basketball game at Gardner-Webb and some of you uh, down front and others throughout the congregation I know were there. Uh, there was several different things that happened during the game, but one of the things I was thinking about when there was a pause for a medical need that was taking place at the game, I looked over at the scoreboard and I thought about today, the sermon, the message on forgiveness, and I also thought about the fact that tomorrow and right now in the LYCC, there's probably very few people in there. And if the scoreboard were to be on, which I doubt it is, the scoreboard for home and for guests would say zero. No matter what happened in yesterday's game, and we'd like to put some things in that game behind us, but Gardner-Webb had a good showing, but they came up short. And so the score on the guest side was higher than the score on the home side. And I started thinking about it and meditating on my message today and trying to do something constructive there during this long period of time. And I started thinking about the fact that it's just like God with his reset buttons. 
when we ask and we come to him and ask him for his forgiveness. That scoreboard today says zero, zero. The mistakes of the game for Garden Web yesterday are gone. And when they come in that gym for their next game, I'm trying to remember here the next couple days, that scoreboard will say zero to zero. It will be a new game and a new opportunity for Garden Web to step on that court and to come away victorious. But I'm grateful that God does that in our own lives. When we're in this game of life and we fall short, I'm grateful that he brings the scoreboard back to zero. When we do what Paul told us we can do and what our Savior told us that we can do. But in 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins to him, and if we confess our sins to him and ask him to cleanse us from all, that he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's an invitation that he extends to each of us. And it's an invitation, a response that you and I must have to, to wipe our slate clean and to hit that reset button. I'm going to ask Cheryl if she will just begin playing a very uh, known hymn that uh, we're going to close in just a few minutes with, a hymn that many of you know by heart, a hymn that many of you may not need, even need to pick up the hymnal to sing. The hymn is Amazing Grace. But as she plays, I want you to just to bow your head for a moment, and I want you to think about first your um, vertical relationship, and what may, what may you need to confess at this hour in your relationship with the Lord. I'm not asking you to think about others, but I'm asking you to think about you. That sounds selfish for a pastor to do, but it's, it's trust me. Uh, but think about you. Where have you missed the mark and where are you missing the mark in your relationship with the Lord? If you look back on 2019, there's probably some things right now that, that you need to confess and make right with the Lord. I'm grateful for the time that Candy gave us at the beginning of her prayer in silence. Take just a moment, and is there something that you and I need to confess as we think about our relationship with the Lord? As we think about not only our relationship with the Lord, we're therefore led to think about our relationship with others. Are there sins that need to be confessed to God, again, for the way that we've related with others? And are there some individuals that we need to go to and ask them to forgive us for words or actions as we begin this new year? God, we thank you for the gift of your grace, for the promise of forgiveness that we see throughout your word, both inaugurated and began in the Old Testament with your people many, many years ago, but a message that you boldly shared with the world when you sent your son as we celebrated the miraculous way that he came into the world over these last several weeks. We now begin to think about his life his perfect, sinless life, and why he came. And so, Lord, today we pray that if forgiveness needs to be found, that we would have found that with you. We know, Lord, that you love us, that you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins, 
so that we may not only enjoy the abundant life that you have to offer, but also the promise and hope of eternity with you as well. Father, I pray for myself and for this congregation as we begin a new year. God, I pray that we would begin this year in right standing with you. And Lord, if there are relationships, if there are conversations that need to take place with others, give us the courage, God, for the facing of that hour, for the living of these days, kingdom courage. We're going to need it as we move into this year. Father, thank you for Jesus. We ask this prayer in his name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing a hymn that many of you know, but it is found on page 587 if you need your hymnal. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. If you are here today and would like to seek membership at Boiling Springs Baptist Church and begin the new year in that way, the invitation is extended. If you are here today and have never put your faith and trust in Christ, the invitation is for you as well to, to put your faith and trust in Christ and to know that when you leave this place today that your eternity is secure. Let's stand and sing hymn number 587.
where the Lenten devotionals are on the front pew. And also anyone who may be uh, interested in coming to our, our Remembrance Lunch, it's this next Saturday, not Sunday after church, but Saturday at 11 a.m. And please let the church office know uh, that you plan on being here for that. Be sure to speak to someone that you haven't spoken to before you leave today. And hear now our closing benediction. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time now and forevermore. Amen.